0: I'm Dr. Beth Mollison and I'm Dr. Alyssa Watson. Thanks for joining us in the Veterinary Break Room, where we have short conversations, um, chat informally about relevant topics in veterinary medicine. Um, and today we're actually going to, our, or I should say our discussion was inspired from a piece that was done in Clinician's Brief. So um, shameless plug for our Clinician's Brief content. I actually do encourage you all to go check out the website if you haven't in a while. Um, we have made a concerted effort to kind of have more um A holistic content, for lack of a better description. Of course, obviously, we have a ton of medically focused, concrete, peer-reviewed content over on our website. But we are also getting into sharing more things like about practice life um, and just kind of supporting the whole veterinarian. So the article that we're going to kind of discuss today is called a second opinion article, where we actually have people write in about the you know the issues that they face in everyday practice. And so this second opinion article. Was about uh, clients who deny their behavior issues of their pet. Um, I guess maybe their own behavior issues too. But clients who deny their pet's <laughs> behavior issues. So I-, I thought this was an interesting topic. But what about you, Alyssa? Do you feel like this is something you have come across in your career much?
1: So I actually have definitely had this <laughs> experience before. Where yep, where owners have not really understood um why I'm concerned about their pet's behavior or you know like they said kind of denied that their pet could will be aggressive I'm sure we've all had you know that experience where the owner is like oh don't worry he won't bite and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh yes he absolutely will bite Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you know, this, this piece was, was great because it did provide, you know, some concrete examples on how to phrase these conversations with clients. Um, and so I, I really liked that. So what do you think, Dr. Beth, what are some of the reasons that, that clients, you know, have these reactions or, or,
0: yeah, no, that's a good question. I've thought about it a lot in my career as, you know, I've dealt with this situation. I think, you know, I've dealt with some of the same, just like we've we've talked about. Dealt with some of those situations where you feel like you, know, you have those clients that are very apologetic of their pet's behavior, and I I almost that makes me feel sad too because I'm like you don't <laughs> need to apologize. You know, it's not your fault. The pet's afraid. Um, let's mm-hmm. just find a solution. And you have those pet owners that are really wor- willing to work with you. And then yeah, I've always wondered about this population of pet owners who just seem to like, that. it's that disconnect that's kind of confusing. So I should mention it was Dr. Sarah Wooten that wrote in the response to this um, second opinion article. And she did address that question, you know, why is there a disconnect between the pet's behavior and the owner's perception of behavior? And the reasons she listed was one, maybe they're embarrassed. And so they kind of downplayed the issue because of that. Um, maybe lack of awareness of the severity of the issue. Or sometimes I think if they haven't seen the behavior or mm-hmm. they don't realize that they're, they're kind of misreading the behavior. You know, maybe they don't realize that their pet's body language is like that pre-aggression that you or I could identify, but the pet owners can't. Um, the third reason that she gave was frustration and belief that the staff does not understand their dog. Um, and then the fourth reason was that they're too preoccupied. So, you know, with things that have nothing to do with you or their pet, they've just got other personal issues going on. Um, and I do, I, I do feel like in my own experience, most often it, it, from what I have assessed, it seems to almost just be that feeling like you want someone to believe you that your dog is not always aggressive, or you want someone to believe you that your dog or cat, um, isn't always like this. And it's kind of that like, almost the the pet owner willing their pet to not be like this, I feel like. Um, And a lot of times, I I don't know about you, Alyssa, but I noticed that it is that pushback when you mention medication or you mention kind of needing to take an extra step that isn't needed for maybe the average pet. That's when I feel like you get a little bit of that resistance and pet owners are unwilling to kind of acknowledge their pet's behavior. Um, But do you agree with those issues or would you say there's any other reasons you've noticed that you feel like there's that disconnect.
1: Yeah, no, I think each one of those that you listed out, I can easily come up with examples um mm-hmm. you know that of of kind of each one of those reasons that an owner, you know, might deny that their their animal needs medication or that their animal is a, is aggressive. And 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 certainly they're all understandable, right? You know, Right. And understandable to be embarrassed by your pet's behavior. It's understandable to be embarrassed by your kid's behavior. You know, I have that happen <laughs> all the time. I'm like, he's not all like right. this at home. <laughs> um, where yeah. I find I have trouble is, or or one of the places, you know, where where I start to feel uncomfortable is when I feel like the client is accusatory towards me or the mm-hmm. staff when their their animal is you know showing signs of of fear or aggression you know like Mm -hmm. oh it must be you he never growls at anybody else and so that's sometimes where i have where i wish i had kind of a canned response to that um because i do (laughs) feel like i get that sometimes you know i i i get that like oh he's never growled at any other vet and Mm -hmm. i'm like well, today, you know, he must be just feeling a little bit more nervous today.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. The finger pointing a little bit starts.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yep, and, so, and I think I've, some of that mm-hmm. is yep, redirection because they're embarrassed.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, if it's not me, it must be you type of a situation mm-hmm. rather than just acknowledging the facts of the, the matter at hand. I know... I feel like as soon as I started reading this article, this case from, oh God, it's been at least probably seven years since I saw this cat, but I still remember it. And it was, yeah, a pet owner whose cat was very fractious, you know, very afraid in the clinic and it just, we were trying to give it a vaccine and um, couldn't do it with, I think it had bit one of the staff members already and the pet owner wanted us to keep trying. And to me, it's always that language that really makes me angry when it, when it turns to the, like, you just, you guys just can't do your job. Like that is, <laughs> that is, I mean, just exactly what you're saying. Like, and and she was willing to verbalize that, you know, she didn't beat around the bush. It was like, why are you guys even here if you can't handle my aggressive pet? You know, of mm-hmm. course, without even giving you the chance to discuss maybe what some of the alternatives would be. So just underscoring the point that these behaviors with with clients are frustrating, more frustrating than the the fractious pet themselves, I feel like sometimes,
1: yeah, absolutely. I have had a client even go a step further than that and say that it was my job to be bit. You know, if yeah. I'm the veterinarian, that's you know, well, that's kind of you know the risk that you take being a veterinarian mm.
0: is. And so mm-hmm. that made me
1: very frustrated. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that never feels good, does it? Do, no. People don't no. understand the seriousness of that. And I feel like I always go into that – like, nothing makes me feel more like a, a mama bear in the clinic than when there's a fractious pet. And I feel like anyone that gets bit, it's going to be on my – you know, it's it's going to be on my hands. And so, um, yeah, for anyone to insinuate that it's just our staff's responsibility or our responsibility to, to risk those obviously very serious injuries is – beyond frustrating. But I did like this this response because kind of went into some of the ways to tackle the communication around it. So Alyssa, do you want to dive into what your takeaways were when you read Dr. Wooten's advice for client sure. communication? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I and I love this because like I said, I'm much more comfortable if I have kind of a script I can fall sure. back on. Um, and I like having you know, a, a little bit of direction in how to start these conversations. So, mm-hmm. so the way that she advised you start the conversation is to to be very specific um, and make sure you're not using, you know, global statements like always and never, and you're not attacking the the client, their character or or their pet. And so sure. starting out by saying, you know, when, you know, when your animal comes in, when I see this happened or when this happened, you know, in our clinic. So when your animal came in and growled, you know, that then you want to lead into how you felt about that. Okay. Because you can only control your own feelings. Um, so, so then I felt, or, you know, my staff felt like that, that they you know, were putting themselves in danger or, you know, the dog felt threatened um, when they, when there were so many people in the room. Um, And then you have to actually then make that connection between how you felt and what you need to have happen instead. Right. And I think that's where it's making that connection where I think I struggle and have trouble. And so Mm -hmm letting the client know what they can do in order to change that situation. So saying, you know, because, so these things happened, they made me feel this way because that happened, we need to change something. Um, And so Mm -hmm. kind of following that line of thought, I think was very helpful to me. And Mm -hmm. then, then you can get into what, what you were saying, Dr. Beth, which is where oftentimes the pushback comes like, would you be willing to medicate your dog before they come in? Or would you be mm-hmm. willing, willing to try some muzzle training? Or would you be willing sure. to come in another day when, right. you know, your animal is, is feeling less stressed when it's not so busy, when, you know, maybe we could try this appointment first thing in the morning. Um, and, and so having that kind of detailed script and leading into each each thing was very helpful for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I feel like, you know, sticking to the facts yet being open to the partners em- emotions around the issue, you know, showing a little bit of empathy toward them because it's not a fun situation for them either. And then I do feel like anecdotally something like we mentioned that I have noticed is I feel like sometimes I meet that resistance when I start to bring up medications because I feel like pet owners immediately have that kind of little bit of defensiveness of like, oh, my pet doesn't need medication, or why are you just jumping straight to medication? So I do feel like maybe pairing, I like the way you phrased it, Dr. Lissa, where it's like asking if they'd be open to that. I also anecdotally feel like it helps to say, like, a number, you know, kind of let them know they're not alone. You know, there are a number of pets who benefit from these medications. And then making other concessions again, like you said, you know, let's try this appointment early in the morning, kind of showing the the pet owner that you're not there to just throw some quick meds to change their pet, but like you're there to look at the holistic situation and make several different adjustments so that the pet can get the care they need. But yes, I I, I did like this article because I do feel like it offered some con- concrete advice and certainly um, let us all know we're not alone in these. Situations that crop up and, and make our day very frustrating.
1: Absolutely. And I think piggybacking off of that a little bit, um, uh, another thing that I say to people is you know, we've discovered over the last several years, you know, how detrimental these stressful situations are Mm -hmm. to animals. And so we are quicker to use meds than we used to be. I'm definitely quicker to use meds than I used to be because we have the data now that shows that, you know, these stressful encounters can have long-term consequences, you know, on your animal's anxiety and their health.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I like what you said there, Dr. Alyssa, where I feel like so many people think back and they're like, well, I've never had to do this before. I've never had a pet that needed medication, but kind of looping the pet owner in, knowing this is a relatively new thing. We found it to be super beneficial for everyone involved. We can give your pet better care, um, you know, rather than just catching them off guard by all of a sudden, you know, walking back in the room with a prescription bottle. So Mm -hmm. yes. A lot of good advice here, Dr. Alyssa. Again, I do recommend everyone, we'll try to include this link in the show notes if you want to check out the details or explore some of the other content there um, because there are a lot of fun topics that I know when I read through some of these topics, it just kind of makes you feel less alone that all of these non-medical struggles, I feel like are sometimes just as important or impactful throughout the day-to-day of being a vet as are the medical challenges. So um, a lot of cool content over there, but Alyssa, I think that brings us to our win of the week. Do you have anything you would like to celebrate or any small victories for the week?
1: So I do have, I do have something to share, Uh, you know, as many of you know, uh, the vast majority of my work is in home euthanasia and end of life care, but I am uh, certainly still in the clinic, you know, several shifts a month. And this story actually kind of combines the two. Um, So... So it it was just one of those things that I I felt it was just very, very fortuitous, you know, providence, luck, whatever you want to call it. I just, I happened to work a, a shift at a clinic that I have not been at for several months and a longtime client with a pet that I had seen for many, many years had mm-hmm. decided that it was time to say goodbye. And Aww. they walked in without an appointment. And I walked into the room and they started crying and I started crying. And, and yeah, the client was like, oh my gosh, it's you. And, and so it was one of those things that yeah. it turned out to be as, as sad as it was, you know, it was, it was the right decision for the pet. And I just felt so fortunate that I was able to be there for them at that time when I had seen that pet its whole life it's not something that I get to do a lot anymore sure um, and so so even though it's kind of sad I really it it was it was a lovely thing so
0: yes knowing how how much better I'm sure they felt on a hard day to yeah. have one yeah. one thing go their way I'm sure they were they were thrilled
1: yeah yeah what so. about you do you have anything that you'd like to share with us
0: um Yes, my win, dog related though not job related, is about my own personal dogs. So, <laughs> for anyone that knows me, knows about Paul, my docs, and who I'm obsessed with, and may or may not know that we introduced a miniature poodle about three months ago um, who was four years old. And I think I've talked about it on here, but they started off with like a somewhat tumultuous relationship, which was not too big of a surprise because, like, docs and you know, two adult dogs. And a dachshund, um, who has been set in his ways for a while, so they had a few, fortunately, small scuffles when I first um, adopted them, but enough that I really, truly was not sure which direction it was going to go in, um, because just because of the nature of both of them. But anyway, we're, met with met with a behaviorist, was fortunate enough to be able to have have precious time from a veterinary behaviorist here locally and. Um, cutting to the chase. My point of all of this is they are doing much better. They are getting along really well. Um, Paul seems the dachshund seems much more comfortable. Daniel, the poodle um, also is doing pretty well, minus peeing and pooping in the house. That's a different story. Um, So that's my big win is that for anyone that's dealt with intra household dog aggression knows how stressful it can be moment to moment, day by day. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I finally reached that moment where I can, hopefully I'm not jinxing anything, where I can relax and things are going a little bit better. So that is my big win. I knew it would be, you know, anytime you get a new pet, especially when there's already pets in the household, I knew it would be months of adjustment, but I think we're maybe getting through that period.
1: I think that's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. And I'm so glad that you were able to find a good colleague to help (laughs) you. So I just, I feel like we're so lucky to have such a big network and be able Mm -hmm. to reach out to people. And I know I've had some struggles with my own personal dog and her health in the last year. And so, um, you know, there's, there's so many amazing vets out there. You guys are all rocking it every day. And
0: I think, I think you guys are awesome truth. Absolutely. So yeah. So well, Alyssa, thanks for joining me in this conversation today to our listeners. Thank you for listening in and we will catch everyone next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Veterinary Break Room. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including a video version on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. You can also listen to or watch our podcast episodes on our website at cliniciansbrief.com podcasts, or drop us a line at podcasts at briefmedia.com. Veterinary Break Room is a Vet Medics production produced by Alexis Ussery and co-hosted by Dr. Alyssa Watson and Dr. Beth Mollison.